0: Live from Stacks House, an interview with Carrie Schwab Pomerantz. You're
1: listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi.
0: Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
1: Know that women aren't investing at the same levels as men. Twice as we just did a survey of 16 to 25 year olds, and twice as many young men had investment accounts versus women.
0: Welcome back to So Money, everybody. A special treat for us today: airing an interview uh, with the great Carrie Schwab Pomerantz. Last week, I had the honor of interviewing her at Stack's House in front of a live audience. We are so grateful to have Schwab as one of our partners at Stacks House. As you may know, we developed the retirement rodeo that houses our famous mechanical piggy bank. And with that, our goal was to bring to life the importance of saving for retirement through an unmatched, memorable experience. And our bucking savings pig illustrates the ups and downs of the stock market and why it's important to hold on. It's not a bad video either for your Instagram Anywho, we were excited for Carrie's visit, not just because she could get a chance to experience Dax House in real life, but because she is such a leading advocate for financial literacy. We opened doors to the public for this event, and we sold out within days, no doubt. She is one of America's most trusted sources for financial advice, and she's devoted her career to helping men and women from all walks of life achieve financial security. So in the next 45 minutes, you're going to hear Carrie and I talk about her early days working for her dad who is the great Charles Schwab, the challenges, many of the challenges women face when it comes to securing their futures and what we can do about it, as well as the biggest mistakes she's ever made with her money. As many of you know, I'm also working with Charles Schwab to help spread financial literacy to the masses, and it's been a really great collaboration so far. I'm a Charles Schwab customer and have been for many years, so before we get going, I just want to thank Charles Schwab for helping get this financial education content to you. Without further ado, here's Carrie Schwab. Welcome to Stacks House, everybody. How many of you are here for the first time? Almost everybody, all right. This is gonna be an exciting morning, money for breakfast. There's no better power breakfast than money for breakfast. Um, really excited for our, our event this morning. Um, we have the great privilege of having uh, a, the, one of the stars of personal finance with us today, Carrie Schwab Pomerantz. Um, I'm ex- going to do a full introduction of her very soon, but just want to share a little bit about what we can expect today. So we're going to do our best to have a really insightful, intimate, candid conversation about All the things that have to do with money, particularly investing, saving, and of course, how women can um, further themselves along their financial path and achieve their greatest financial potential. Carrie has done incredible work, continues to do incredible work in this space for all people, but women especially, I think, near and dear to both our hearts. Uh, we want to also a- address your questions. So, as you notice, as you were coming in, hopefully, you had a chance to drop in a question or two in our box. Um, we've uh, we'll be selecting some of those and make sure to um, hear you as well for part of the conversation. All right. So, welcome again, and really appreciate everybody for coming out this this morning on a it's Wednesday, right? <laughs> I, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm completely jet lagged, but uh, that's okay. Adrenaline is good when you're hosting a panel. Without further ado, want to introduce our our one. Wonderful guests. We're so, I'm so happy to finally meet you in person, Carrie. Um, Carrie Schwab Pomeranz is a certified financial professional, a leading advocate for financial literacy, and one of America's most trusted sources for financial advice. She has devoted her career to helping men and women from all walks of life uh, to achieve financial security. She oversees Schwab's corporate philanthropy and employee volunteer programs, which is all about strengthening the communities where Schwab operates. And I just learned this morning that she has been appointed um, commissioner of the San Francisco Commission on the Status of Women. That's a huge honor. And I want to learn about that and, and how that's going. And also, you're, you're on the board of the Girls and Boys Club of America. You're a busy lady, also mother and wife and all the things. So, Carrie, thank
1: you for being here. Thank you, Farnoosh. I... I, I
0: um <laughs> did I to make to you speechless yeah, you
1: <laughs> um I just I just also wanted to to congratulate well, so so the two of us are both personal finance folks and and we you know have done podcasts and so forth together we've admired each other from across the country so it is you know wonderful to be here in person finally with you well it's really surreal to have you in Stax house as
0: uh, you know and perhaps you don't know but Charles Schwab is one of our founding partners of Stax house we were so grateful as we were you know my co-founder Patience is here with us today. And Kendra, um, my other co-founder, she's um, unfortunately couldn't make it, but we, you know, this was our idea, our baby, and we went out in the world and we pitched it and it was not a proven concept. Um, but Charles Schwab really believed in the vision and they believed in us. And we're so grateful for your partnership. You have to check out the retirement rodeo, the mechanical piggy bank, it's, I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's the only one in the country, maybe even the world. (laughs) So, um, one thing I didn't mention, which is perhaps obvious is that you're the daughter of Charles Schwab, Carrie. And, um, Charles Schwab is uh, the largest publicly traded investment services firm in the United States. And you had the Incredible opportunity to sort of see it from the ground up. As a child, as a teenager, um, you started working there at the age of 16. So what was that first day on the job
1: like? What did your dad make you do? Well, I hate to say it was so long ago, I can't remember the first day. But... you know, so I live in San Francisco, and there's so much about, you know, technology companies and all these startups in the garage and so forth, and, you know, it just kind of dawned on me, wait a minute, I was there when we were just two rooms, you know, you know, a company of just two rooms, a total scrappy startup that my dad founded, and and I tell people like kind of a cute story, a couple of cute stories. One is, is that it was two rooms, basically. One room was um, just an open room, probably about the size of here, this area, and there were floating desks, and that was my and not nice desks by, by by any means. And and uh, my dad and his his uh, founding members were were around there, and I had a desk just against the wall. Um, and and then next door was a conference room with a big oval uh, oval table, and it had black rotary phones around it. That's how long ago. probably way before your time. And and then you had Henrietta. With the bouffant in this in the corner switching in the calls so that's that i mean that's how long i you know and then then there was rome rome is that what it is you know that was a big technology and so forth moving forward um and and um so i I used to tell people that i started as the secretary secretary i did whatever you know she was my boss and uh i was in an event like this with my father and uh, telling this story, uh, uh, telling the story, and, and he was anxiously waiting with his microphone over he, over here to get on the on the, on the um, stage, and I wasn't quite sure why, but I finally kind of let, let him have, the, you know, his time, and he said to the audience, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me set the stage straight. Carrie was not a secretary; she was a file clerk." <laughs> and Everyone, but and I, you know, of course, I didn't. I didn't remember that. But anyway, in those days, that's what you did. I mean, all our accounts were filed. But but anyway, um, I you know, fast forward uh, about a year after college, came back to Schwab for a recent college program, and and uh, and most of my my fellow interns uh, went to headquarter types of jobs. And I, my father said to me, "If you really want to understand the business, you need to go out and work with clients." And so I took that to heart and did that for a good first half of my career. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made because it really does get you connected to people and, and all the struggles and so forth that, that we that we go through in life. So I did start out in the in the branches, um, like my fellow financial consultants over here for many, many years. And uh, I just recently, my father just turned eighty last about a year ago and we had a party for him with just the grand with my generation his kids and grandchildren and usually you know you toast the birthday person right but he had pages of his toast to the grandkids it was all to them and uh it was so interesting because the two pieces of advice the gist of it were two things one is live a humble life you know, it's, it, it, do not, do not take things for, for granted. And, you know, have humility. And, and actually that's something that my dad has always talked about. And then he also talked about the importance of giving back to your community. And he, you know, he went on about that, but, but it just, you know, the light bulb went on for me that this is something that he has always talked about within Schwab. And it's really created the culture that we have and who we are. And my colleagues here believe in and, and um, always striving and, and doing our, trying to do our best. So file clerk noted. Fo- file clerk. Yeah. I did be immediately changed my resume, went home, <laughs> updated, <laughs> you, LinkedIn. You updated LinkedIn. Oh yeah. They didn't yeah. have LinkedIn then. Oh okay. Henrietta updated your LinkedIn. Yeah, Henrietta did yeah. my LinkedIn. Um,
0: Okay. <laughs> So this is actually a live podcast, everybody. This is, um, well, Uh, live-ish. This is my first in front of an audience podcast. I host the So Money podcast. So congratulations. You're the first to experience
1: that. Um, Live podcast. We like that. So if you want to
0: keep listening to this, you know, you can later next week go and download the uh, the episode. And one of the questions I love asking my guests, and you're no stranger to So Money. You've been on the show before, Carrie. But I want to ask it again. Your biggest money lesson, financial lesson learning growing up in the Schwab House, household. So we know the lessons that your father bestowed on you as far as running a business and kind of like these life principles. But when it came to money, what were the lessons that you learned, perhaps just observing your family dynamic? Um,
1: Well, I certainly observed a lot, but I will tell you sort of a cute story and I think it's going to be relevant just as we talk about money today. Uh, It it was... um, I was in my early twenties. I, you know, come back to Schwab as I mentioned as a financial consultant, and IRAs, you know, individual retirement accounts were just becoming popular. And I put my two thousand dollars in, and uh, I called my dad, thinking I would get the hot tip of the day, you know, I, you know, to invest my money. And um, my dad said to me, Carrie, just go to our mutual fund list, market list, and pick two equity funds. It doesn't matter. Just pick two. And I was so disappointed with that <laughs> advice. It was not sexy, but I, I did just that. And, um, and really, you know, now I'm a little more mature than I was then. And realizing what he was trying to say to me and what I try to tell everybody, it's, it's not about the hot stock. It's not about even the hot mutual fund. It's about participating in equities in a diversified portfolio to get the growth that we, that we need. And, you know, the proper growth, the calculated risk growth. So that's what, that's really what I learned from him. I
0: really like that message because too often we get sold this characterization of the stock market as, you know, um, fortune favors the bold, right? Take the risks. And, and that to me personally, I feel like that's a very masculine packaging of, you know, of, of what is really a genderless thing. Like the stock market doesn't care if you're a male or a female. Um, and so a lot of our audience at Stacks House, a lot of the people here today are women. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the barriers that you see women facing to get started, to invest. We hear studies talk about, well, um, women, We, I think this is great about us. You know, we want to have all the answers. We want to feel certain before we do anything. And let's be honest, the stock market has an inherent uncertainty and risk. So what are some of the ways that, that women can kind of just you know, step up to it a little bit more and feel more comfortable investing if they if they feel sort of some of these emotions around managing their money in the market.
1: Okay, so I'm just I'm going to take a step back. You did ask me about three questions in that one question, just so you know. Um, we I mean, only have an hour, so okay. I'm just trying to get it okay. all in. All right, okay. Um, just just to take a step back, and probably many of us, I mean, I don't need to tell you all this, but as there, there are several things going on. As as women, we do. Uh, face unique circumstances relative to a, a man. We tend to earn less money, 80 cents on the dollar. We tend to live longer than men, and we tend to go in and out of the workforce to care for children or elderly parents. So we lose a lot of t- time, you know, wealth building time. And so what it, what it means is because we live longer and we earn less, that we have less money to save for, for more years of retirement. So it does mean that we do need to be more disciplined and more engaged in our finances than ever, and unfortunately, because of social and cultural issues of you know our country, uh, we we're sort of set up. I don't want to say to fail, but to to be behind. And um, and I don't know where you want me to go with this because I could go on and on, but um, we know that women. Aren't investing at the same levels as men twice as we just did a survey of 16 to 25 year olds and twice as many young men had investment accounts versus women. And, and, and we, and we know that investing is what creates, creates the growth and the wealth that, that we need. So, um, but it's interesting. So in action, men, young men in this particular survey are investing
0: more, but when it, when they ask the question of, you know, uh, how important is financial independence to you? The young women by and large said that that was more of a priority to them. So how they feel is not measuring up to how they're acting in the market. So what is that gap all about and how can we close it? I mean, there's a lot of things. You've mentioned that there's systems there. You know, the system
1: is sort of set up to kind of hold you back in some yeah. ways. Yeah. So this what, what Furnish is talking about, this survey showed that women definitely were determined to be financially independent. They understand the importance of financial planning and they actually do some of the really important things. Um, well, I shouldn't say they're more likely to have a second job. They're more likely, this is according to our survey, they're more likely to spend less than the young men that we asked, um, but then they had 40% less savings than the men in this survey.
0: So, and that's the earnings gap, perhaps. That's the earnings,
1: yeah. that's the earnings gap, and then I mentioned that there, um, there that half of the women were investors. So that's kind of creating this sort of failure or setup for a beginning of failure. In other words, there's this gender inequality that starts right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And 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 why is that happening? I don't. Who, how many of you here are parents? So a good number of them of you. Okay, so. So digging down, and I've been studying this for many, many years, uh, women versus men and all sorts of different populations and so forth, and um, um, where was I going to go on this? Uh, Families. Oh, thank you. So, so, So studies show, our studies have shown that parents talk to their sons differently than their daughters. Uh, when you talk to your sons or your daughters, you talk about savings and, and budgeting. With your sons, we talk about investing and borrowing, a.k.a. wealth building. I mean, savings is soup, and budgeting. I mean, you know, with people mm-hmm. paying, living paycheck to paycheck in this country is so important. But if you know, getting out of poverty, it's um, you've you, you know you've got to think about about investing. And I w- I'm going to tell just another little thing, and then I'm going to tell you another little stat. But um, I was just in Hawaii, and our chief investment officer was speaking, you know, about the trends, and um, in the last. 10 years or so, there's been big wealth creation, uh, happening, but, right, but we keep hearing about the lack of middle class, uh, there's people that, you know, the haves and the have-nots, and it's those people who were investors who made out. And again, it's and, and, and I invest, and we can talk a lot more about this. Investing's not about being rich. And, and um, I mean, investors are in their 401k, people are just starting out. So, so that's just something to think about. The other thing I wanted to talk about, about families, is that um, there was a third party study that showed that parents pay their daughters less than their sons for the same chores. It was some uh, allowance app. So you've got, you know, you've got that we're paying them less at home. We're talking to them, you know, differently Then they go out in the workforce and they earn 80 cents on the dollar. Well, guess what? No wonder more women than men in society as they get older are in poverty. So, so we need to change the conversation at home. So it starts at home and then you go to school and there's no
0: financial literacy. I mean, there are movements to imp- incorporate more financial literacy in high schools, which is great, but it seems like it's such a, there's such a, it's such a struggle. It's, it seems like it should be a, a no brainer. I mean, you should be able to graduate from high school considering you're going into college now with all of the student loan debt, presumably, and you don't even know wh- how to write a check or what a say, how, you know, how a credit yeah. card works or yeah. what is compound interest. I Know you do a lot of work in the financial literacy space. Why is there such
1: what seems to be resistance in the school systems to bring financial literacy to curriculum? I was going to say I learned how to sew a button in high school. (laughs) I learned how how to make a pie. Come on, what'd you make? I learned how to make pies. Okay, okay. I order from Seamless now. I don't. (laughs) I go to
0: the grocery store and get my pies. Like I wish someone had told me about (laughs) how to buy a pie was. Yeah.
1: Um, so I did serve on the President's Advisory Council on Financial Capability under um, President Bush and President Obama. So it's not a political issue, this lack of financial literacy. And these two presidents very much wanted to create more um, visibility and change the way we think about it as a country. So that was a really wonder, you know, really, really great, oppor- great opportunity opportunity. And, and under the council, we definitely looked at you know, how can we get more schools to adopt financial literacy? Unfortunately, there's only five states that require a standalone uh, program for high school graduation. Utah is the first state that, prov- that required it because it has the highest bankruptcy rate in the country, which is kind of, I mean, it's interesting that that's what drove them to do that. And then there's 17 states total that require it to be embedded some way or another. But I think it's probably so embedded, no one can, you know, no one really quite can figure it out. So, so we have a, we have a a lot to to do with that. In fact, California does not uh, require financial literacy. And it's something I've been, you know, trying to Maneuver a little bit. I'm trying to San Francisco. I've talked with the superintendent there. I don't get a lot of, I don't get a lot of, uh, Do you interest. Think it's a, I think money is emotional too, and who's going to teach it, right?
0: Some of these teachers are like, I didn't learn how to talk about money in my own life, and I have to teach it to the kids. I feel, I hear that from some of the teachers. Yeah.
1: Well, teachers. That was, right, right. Well, I mean, the, I mean, so families don't talk about money. Ste- you know, teachers don't, you know, teach it. I, I mean, parents or, or teachers don't have, have the knowledge. And that's why, uh, so so Farnoosh mentioned I, I run the Charles Schwab Foundation, and we have some national partnerships around f- financial literacy. And with Boys and Girls Club, we chose them because they're an after-school program, so we could bypass the schools mm-hmm. and go straight to the kids. And we will have reached a million teens this year with financial wow, education. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. And, and another one that I think would be relevant to all of you, it, it, with school-aged children, we now have a national partnership with DonorsChoose.org, which is a crowdfunding uh, organization that matches teacher requests uh, with um, with donors, local donors, people who care about education, parents, and so forth. And we, we pay for uh, half of all the financial literacy requests, and we double match for teacher training, just because, as you mentioned... Um, that teachers don't even understand it as well. So we're trying to get them up and ramped up. That's excellent. Congratulations on that.
0: Well, you 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 talked earlier about, you know, generally, you know, the importance of starting to invest. And anyone can really do this, especially if you have access to a 401k. You don't have to be wealthy to invest, but you have to invest to be wealthy. Let's talk about some of the concrete steps people can take to um, get started. Obviously, a 401k at work or a 403 plan would be an obvious first step but a lot of us are freelancing or we're self-employed we may not have access to some of these resources what's your advice
1: well i mean i can i don't let me see where i should go with this i'll start and then if you want to dig down deeper like if your I daughter would. came to you and was like yeah mom i i want to start investing so, besides telling her to go to charles schwab but uh, you know what <laughs> yeah so i just i just i do how many of you have here have a 401k so a good portion of you so let me start, with, okay, start, let, me start with that. Yeah. let me start with that let me start with uh, that so so what we tell people i'm going to tell people is, is first of all you want to start with a plan so again not sexy and but studies show that those people who plan and i'll explain that uh, are more likely to save 300% more than those who do not plan and really what a plan is, it's not, it doesn't have to be a complicated, uh, a, a, you know, program. It's, it's just really about putting down on paper, how much money do I have? How much do I need? And how do I get there? It's that intention, you know, being intentional and mindful about your money that makes all the difference in the world. So really thinking about, and, and the majority of Americans don't even think about their future and don't sit down and think, okay, what do I, you know, what do I, what do I own? And, and, and how do I get to where I need to go? So, so planning. So, so the, the next two are saving and, and investing. Let me give you some rules of thumb and, and the rule, I call it the minus 10% rule and it's, basically the gist of it is, is that the sooner you start saving, the younger you are that you start saving, the less money you have to put aside. And that's because of the power of compound growth. So if you're in your twenties and you just started saving, you want to save 10%. If you can afford 15%, great. And this is for retirement, by the way this is not, this is retirement as opposed to other finances. So 10 to 15% for the rest of your life, you know, you'll get raises hopefully and bonuses. You just, that 10% goes into the retirement account. Um, and then you should have a relatively comfortable retirement. However, if you wait until your thirties, you're going to have to save 20%. If you wait till your forties, you're going to have to save 30%. So you can see The longer you wait, the harder it is. So I just so, so the young, the person that comes to me, I, I, I highly recommend that they put in their budget 10% aside for their 401k and they invest in equities, and I'm going to give an example because you asked me about. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of, of that, um, but and, and then and then of course you know get help help if you need it. But but saving and investing. Let me give a, um, an example about investing that I think is pretty powerful. In two, does everybody remember two thousand seven, two thousand eight, the Great Recession? I blocked it out. Yeah, it was pretty scary. It was even scary for those of us in the business. It, none of us had ever seen something like this. So I'm um I'm going to explain the power of investing at least in this context and I'm going to use my hands as opposed to numbers. You have shadows too, so that's Oh, cool. okay, good. Do you shadow publish shadows. Okay. So in 2007, we were at an all-time the market was at an all-time high. And when I mean the market, I mean the S&P 500. The uh, Standard & Poor's 500 which is a um it, it's a uh what do you call um, Composite? Index? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm losing my words of, of representation of, of the stock market. And we can buy mutual funds, the S&P ETF or S&P... Um, index fund. In, index fund. Mm-hmm. So, So the S&P 500 was up here. It was about 1,500. Again, I said I wouldn't say numbers. 1,500. In 2008, you remember the market crashed. It went down 50%. A lot of people sold. They panicked and they sold their stock portion of their portfolios. And they locked in their losses. Well, guess what? Even I know, I don't even know what the market's doing today, but yesterday I know, I know it was going crazy. But a, a week ago, it was up 80% from the high of 2007. So, so, so it, it, investing over the long term has the power of growing and providing you know that power to bring financial security in your life. But you just have to know how to do it smartly.
0: Yeah, it sounds like what I'm hearing too is you can't be emotional about it, right? Those people who did that knee-jerk reaction of selling when the market tanked, that's actually a great time to buy. Everything's on sale. You Buying know, your, you know, those bank stocks that hit like
1: $4. I bought Citigroup, I think, at $1. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Push I'm not that. picking stocks. No. We're just saying no, no, as an example. No, 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 no. But no, but you know, and some people have a chunk of money and they're and they're fearful about. rightness. In fact, I was just speaking at a big event, and somebody said to me, "You know, everybody thinks the markets, we're going to go into a recession. And what you can be sure of is we are going to have recessions, or we're going to have bull markets, or we're going to have recessions, or we're going to have bull markets, and 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 probably we probably we will at some point. So, but investing is over the long term. It's about having that plan. Investing according to your risk tolerance, your time frame. You should not be in the stock market for anything that you know you're going to need the money before five years. Uh, so, um, so anyway, so so for the long term is what you want your investments for. And then going back to the four hundred one k, which I didn't really mention because everybody here had a, had a um, raise their hand or majority of you. The, the great thing about a four hundred one k for most companies is that they match your your. Um, your savings. So, when we, what we say is at least save up to the 401k match because otherwise you're walking away from free money and you can't get a rate of return like that from anywhere else. So, at least save up to the company match. And then, if you can afford more, um, make sure you can do that as well.
0: We're also live streaming this and we're going to be airing this on the podcast. So for those who are listening, who aren't here present, who may not have access to a 401k or may not feel they have the income potential to yeah. put aside money for investing because, hey, I've got student loans, I've got credit card debt and paycheck to paycheck. We have a question from the audience here. The first step to saving with low income carry. I think you just start with what you can, right? Even if it's just $5. About low
1: income, somebody's low income. Yes, right. Yeah. So, uh, I mentioned Boys and Girls Club. I mentioned Donors Choose. We actually had a program. It's, it's out there. We're, um, with AARP, which, uh we created this program for working poor 50 and over and you think oh you know they're old and you know they have no chance 50 is the new 20 i don't know what know. you're talking about <laughs> exactly that's what i think um and and but with a little bit of coaching we we provided some basic financial uh uh um, what um, education, you know, about budgeting and managing debt. And then we provided a money coach. These were not people who were um, financial experts. They were just people who cared about helping others. With just that, they found that people were fi- able to find ways to save. And like you said, even $25, uh, $50 a month, and it can make all the difference in the world. And what I didn't talk about today is some of the statistics of here in the United States, but almost 50% of Americans could not come up with a $400 emergency without selling something or borrowing. So just even getting that $400, and I'm going to just say one other thing about financial literacy or the power of it. With the Boys and Girls Club, and most of these kids are inner city, um, Rural areas, military bases, and so forth. They don't come from a lot of lot of means. Uh, but when these kids go through the program, what we found versus those who do not go through the program, they're more likely to seek out college and more likely to seek out funding for college. So it's really a powerful vehicle. I think financial literacy to me is um, powerful in terms of creating more social and economic mobility in our country. And again, it's not about how much money you have.
0: Well, that's part of why we started Stack's House. We felt like there, money is a taboo topic, and it when when in particular when women don't have the money, they can't leave bad situations, right? They can't create good situations. They can't. They cannot be in control of their lives. And um, I think that in the last couple of years, as founders, we just felt like time is of the essence. You know, we we feel like two we're st- almost 2020 and we're still feel very marginalized in some ways. And then the me too movement and the times up movement, it was like, yeah. okay. And we know the transference of wealth is happening in the next decade. Trillions of dollars will now be passed down to the current generation. Two thirds of those people are women. Yeah. So we need to be ready for that. And um, so glad you're here. We have a few more questions from our audience. Um, thank you for all of you who filled out our cards this is a good one. Ready? Okay, okay. What are some mistakes you made earlier in life that you wish you could course correct? You can call a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, you know, I was, so I just want to say I was very lucky. I, 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 I grew up being a saver, even, you know, I, whatever, opened up the savings account at nine years old. I've always worked. Always, um, since I was 13 years old, had the paper out and so forth. Uh, so I've been very, I don't know, maybe apples don't fall from, far from the tree. I don't know. I will, well, okay, so I'm going off on a tangent. What was the question again? <laughs> what is a mistake that you made earlier in life, a financial mistake so would, that you I, want I to course correct? I would say early in life, I was always a saver and I was always an investor. But I would say that I i didn't, I wasn't as disciplined about my portfolio, if that makes sense. I love to try all sorts of different things. You know, Schwab was a growing company. We we're providing, starting to build new products and services. So as my dad said, he was like the chef tasting the food. And that's kind of what I did. And it wasn't until I was about 40 that um, I realized retirement actually was closer than I realized. I, I, I you know, and it was never going to, I was never going to grow old. For one, right? Of course not. And and but I uh, I got help. I finally, a colleague of mine said, not that I a, a colleague talked me into trying some of our um, financial advice advisory program, and I got into it a little bit, kind of gung shy. Got um, but loved it so much that I actually hired an IRA, a registered investment advisor, to manage my portfolio, and I. I have to say, even those of us in the business is like a doctor doing operation, you know, you're not gonna do an operation on yourself. It's kind of the same with with financial advice. And, and I equate it to having like a personal trainer. I, um, I show up, right, you got the appointment, you show up. You, you, um, you have a partner in crime, kind of take some of the emotional aspects out of it and you get better results. I was finally, you know, getting a little bit of muscles, you know, so, so you do ultimately get better results. So I getting help and I, and getting help, you do not have to be rich to get help. So that, that would be my biggest advice.
0: Mine was failing to pay my Banana Republic card one month when I was like 23 years old. And the course correction there is just automate the bills, okay? That was, it was a while ago. We, didn't, we weren't really hip to automating back yeah. then, maybe. Um, what are the barriers? Well, it kind of answers this, barriers to investing for women. I think we, we um, unfortunately, it's an exhaustive list, uh, but we are working on it. Um, can, I, can I just say something
1: about that? And no. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Um so w- so I've already kind of expressed why, you know, women, why we're behind. And by the way, we're not all behind. I you know I have a lot of friends who their fathers or mothers drilled it into them about saving and investing. So I, but it is, I mean, it is a generalization. Uh, studies have showed that, that women, far more women than men lack confidence, were far less engaged or, you know, more likely disengaged. I mean, the numbers just bear out and, 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 and unfortunately. And, and so with my own three kids, I have two boys and a girl. It's about getting them exposed to the process. I made them all come into a Schwab office when they were about, I can't remember, 12, 13 years old. They had their savings account, and then I brought them in. Had them fill out the paperwork. I was not going to do it for them. I had them work with the financial consultant. I was trying to m- keep take the mystery out of it, because I do know, and you know, thanks to Stacks House and so forth, unfortunately, our industry has not done a great job in being as inclusive as we should be with all different pop- populations. It has definitely been in kind of a man's world. Um, so bring, you know, coming, just get, just do it. The Nike thing. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot of primer, uh, primers out there, educational primers. Uh, we've got, you know, you've got your book and some other books back there. Um, we've got some, uh, SchwabMoneyWise.com is a public service website with calculators and tools. It's just, it's really about getting some basics. And and I and I and I call like the savings and learning about money sort of an endorphin. Once you get a little bit, you want more, and you keep going back for more. It's not rock science. is just about getting in and, you, and you'll do fine.
0: And committing to it and having friends that have a similar, yeah. that are aligned with your goals. You know, we had an event last night where we were talking about, especially in your young adult life, there's a lot of peer pressure to kind of live your life a certain way. And you have friends who have different financial capacities and that gets imposed on you. And how do you navigate all of that? And how do you keep these friendships? And we, I think we all just kind of came to the conclusion that I don't know if it's just the timing of where we are in our world. I I think it's a great time to just come out and be really just transparent about your goals. And you better believe there are other friends in your circle that have similar desires to be financially free. And how great now that we can connect on this, right? And we can we can do things together that can help us save money. We can keep each other accountable. So that's something that I I think maybe if I was to course correct a little bit too in my younger years, I wish I had been more um, just communicative about money with my girlfriends and guy friends to, so because i always say we're all financial experts even though we don't have maybe certifications but we live life therefore we have financial expertise right good bad all of it so leaning on the experiences of your peers who've been there and done that is Is invaluable. We're definitely in a
1: much more transparent, open world. If you think about all the, yeah, I mean, I mean, our whole lives are on on Facebook, or you know, (laughs) and companies now are on Glassdoor. We know know you know what you what your worth is by you know looking at salaries and so forth. So I do love you know how the uh, open up more conversations. I was telling um, And this is not about equal. It's not about equal pay or negotiation. But a a fellow commissioner said to me that when she was a lawyer, I mean she is a lawyer, but years ago, uh, you would never, you were not asked to ask your colleague how much they made. Otherwise, it was a fireable offense. She says. Then I left, and I found out my my male colleague was making twenty thousand dollars more than I was. They're both lawyers. Hashtag so, shout your
0: salary. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. yeah. If you learn nothing else today, yeah. just but I think, go do that. Yeah, but if I think if you're uncomfortable, I think a great way, like I always talk to people about in a, in a marriage, right? We don't marry because we have compatible investing strategies, <laughs> right? And and so um, talking about your experience or your money experiences with one another is a great sort of uh, opener. Also, your, your so sort of your values around money. What is it that you you know you want to achieve in your in your life? But values whether it's education or philanthropy or taking care of your family, whatever it is, those can guide you on how you save spend for your future.
0: One of the questions we did get, we we sort of touched on this as well um, organically, but how do we get more women to talk openly about money? Um, All of the tips you just provided, I think, are relevant. And I would add one more thing is like. I feel as though, and we have some amazing financial content makers in the audience, um, authors and bloggers, and I mean, podcasters. And I think like we've kind of reached this amazing point in our financial literacy content phase of life where there's so many books and podcasts and articles and, um, Business news is, make, is getting on the front page of news. And so using that as an icebreaker, you know, you consume this and then all the while you want to talk about it with someone else using that as an icebreaker to say, Hey, did you read this article in, you know, New York Times finance section? Or I read this book by Aaron Lowry. I read this book by Carrie Schwab Pomeranz. I think that sometimes you just need that in, you know, cause it's so personal and sometimes having that sort of external sort of like whatever it is, a podcast episode, uh, can be a great icebreaker and get the, the, the financial juices yeah. flowing. Yeah. One last question. What financial advice would you give teenagers? Um, in this case, a, 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 someone asks, uh, I have a teenager entering her final year of high school and about to go to college. Oh, don't take the loan, Yeah. Uh, or take the loan, but make sure you have the the income potential to pay it back quickly. That's one thing, and also like, I don't know. There's so much. Don't go to college yet. That might
1: <laughs> take a gap year. Well, it obviously, d- save money. On, yeah, depends on the situation. Um, so I'm going to go back a little bit, just as, as parents and young people. But I think when you're 16, you want to practice the credit card and paying it off on a monthly basis, um, if you can. You can't do that anymore, right? You, there's like an eight, Your parents have to
0: co-sign for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. But still, but still, it's the practicing of it at, at home. Not spending anything more than you can than you can pay off for mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. for that for that month. I, even teenagers can, by the way, save for their IR, their um, retirement. All my kids, when they were sixteen, oh, I, we opened up their Roth IRA. So so it's not too young to start saving for your retirement. So, um, but in terms of going off to college, obviously the loan loans are the biggest issue, and um, I think, and and there's a lot of conversation. I'm I'm certainly not an expert on on all this, but it's it's really like you said, it's all about can you pay it off or not? And the it's like being house poor. Who wants to be, you know, student loan poor and never have? I, I just it's just the worst the worst feeling ever. So, so you know, do you have to go to that? private four-year school could you go to community college for a year could you live at home for a year you're still going to get that degree from that fancy school but you could you know no one's going to ever know if you went to community college for two years so there's you know ways to cut back cut back there working during school during uh, during school I, I remember when I was t- took my son to college they said some of the, the kids who work on campus were the most engaged and connected best students mm. because they are connected to the adults to the campus life and so forth so you kind of get a twofer you, you know you earn money and you um, and you get connected
0: yeah I, I have to agree with that I mean um when often the question comes up about college planning and and I mean, I'll just use myself as an example. My parents didn't involve me in any college planning conversations because there wasn't a plan, right? It was like, I mean, my guess my in my in the back of my parents' head, it was like, well, you're just gonna get you're just gonna go to state school or get a scholarship because there's no money, (laughs) which is a rude awakening to me because why was I trying to get all the straight A's in high school and do all the clubs and do all the essays and do all the things. And now I'm arriving at college applications and my dad's telling me that there's no money. And I just, it was a huge kind of blow up in our family. Um, but they were, they weren't wrong in their philosophy, right? That education should be an investment and if you don't have the money, you shouldn't bet the farm on it, you know, that you should. there are resources out there. I ended up, you know, trying to find scholarships, applying to schools that had programs that would be more affordable. I ended up going to Penn State to the honors program, which was a a way to sort of bridge that liberal arts experience I was looking for that was way too expensive um, in a big campus that was very resourceful and I ended up coming out of there debt free kicking and screaming on the way to Penn State but exiting so grateful and I think that's the challenge when you're 18 19 you can't be rational like you're not gonna be rational about sorry you can't go to your dream college it's too expensive. No! Like, my teachers at school were telling me, just take out the student loans. So the, the communication has to start at home, but also I feel like the administrators at school need to do a better job of really laying out the reality to students and saying, look, I know you want to go to Stanford, and perhaps you know even if you take out $100,000, it's Stanford, so maybe you'll get that job, but only if you major in these things, right? You can't major in basket weaving take out a student loan for $100,000 and expect to pay that off before you die. Um, It's just not going to happen.
1: I'm I'm just going to comment just, just a little side thing uh you know going back to sort of savings priorities and so forth when you do get out of college and you do have that college that that monthly payment you definitely want to incorporate that into your into your budget I don't think you should feel pressure to pay it off as long as you can pay the monthly payment because the first priority is your retirement saving in your 401k or IRA whatever you have uh or your SEP if you're self-employed um but for the 401k. Okay, up to the com- company match, you wanna pay off then your non deductible high interest debt. Aka credit card that comes first, and then and then third would be your emergency fund. Get cash from three to six months of necessary expenditures in the bank, so you always have access to it um, for just in just in case. Those are the first three places to put your money, and then fourth is back to your retirement, and then continue to pay off your your student loan debt on a monthly basis. It will hurt your credit if you don't make the payments.
0: Carrie Schwab-Pomerantz. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming all the way here and... Thank you to all, everyone who joined us this morning. We want to welcome you to experience Stacks House. We'll be in the, in the house. So you can chat with us. Our Schwab financial consultants are here as well. This will also re-air on the So Money podcast. We've been streaming it on social media. So we encourage you to, you know, revisit this conversation. This was just a beginning. I mean, we, I feel like we didn't even, it was the tip of the iceberg. There's obviously the mastering your money is a life's journey. And we just feel that. More is more, right? More conversations like this, really important to the, you know, the why of Stacks House. But I think, um, I mean, I'm sitting here, I've been working in personal finance for 15 years. I'm learning still, right? I'm I'm learning every day. So very grateful to have you. Thank you.
1: And I just want to say it's a a lifelong pursuit. It never ends. And there's, like you said, I'm learning every day too. So so I I encourage everybody to make it their life's learning as well. And I also just want to congratulate you and Patience and Kendra on a great, um museum on behalf for a woman thank
0: you so now thank get you. on that pig y'all yeah. To learn more about Schwab and how to work with them, check out schwab.com slash so money. Schwab offers a range of services for people looking to invest and plan for their future. Whether you want to invest on your own with the help of do-it-yourself tools and educational resources, get some periodic guidance from a professional or work with someone in a branch, find it all at schwab.com slash so money.